Welcome to Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast presented by AKG. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. Just as one revoices a chord, Revoicing the Future creates a completely new perspective on the invaluable notes that make up the whole. It will uplift women's voices in the music products industry, which have earned their time to be the root of the chord. Once a month, you can catch productive and valuable conversations with women working in manufacturing, retail, the nonprofit sector, music education, touring, and overall women who inspire us. So without further ado, let's get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Revoicing the Future. I'm Natalie Morrison, and we are with Stephanie. Hi, I'm back. She's back. It's been a while. (laughs) I know. I'm so stoked. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate you. And this is very fun. It's very fun. I don't think we've done one of these virtual recording sessions like this since NAMM in June. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. I think you're correct, man. I've just been, not that you haven't been, because you have, and you've still somehow made time for this. (laughs) But like, this has just been the busiest year. We're going in the new year right now when people are listening to this, um, when it will be getting busy again. But I've hopefully learned a lesson as you're going to hear us talking about later about boundaries and taking on too many projects and all that. So I'm stoked to be back. Hopefully you'll be hearing more of me as I be better about my boundaries with projects. (laughs) So, yeah. Exactly. And we have a NAMM show coming up in just a few months. So, Oh my God, I can't believe it's already. I'm so excited. I just wrote it on my wall calendar today that Nam in April. Woo! Oh, it's going to be Beautiful fun. Time. And we're going to be doing some stuff. We don't know exactly what yet, right? But stuff will be happening. Exactly. We're, we're here back with our mysterious ways of luring you to come check us out at the Nam yeah, show. <laughs> just, you know, save the dates that something revoice in the future will be happening at the Nam show. <laughs> TBA. Just come to Nam. The moral of the story is just come yeah. to Nam and hang with us. That's all yeah. we have to say. And we're hoping we'll be able to have a live audience this time. We're pushing. Maybe if all of you clamor for one, we can, uh, you know, make it happen. Well, we wanted to start the year off with an awesome episode for you. And Steph, I, I kind of gave you the reins on this episode. I wanted you to have a little fun with this. So why don't yeah. you talk about our guest. Yes, we welcome today, I'm so excited, a personal pro audio fellow denizen of mine that I've thought is so awesome for so long and stoked we finally got to talk to her. We talked to Ivana Manley of Manley Labs and it was just like a really thoughtful, wonderful interview with one of the raddest, coolest human beings that is in our industry. I just think she's so rad. It was great. I can't wait for you to hear from her. She was really open with us about how Manly is at such like a period and a precipice of growth. Like Mm. they're doing great. And so the tension of a company that's a midsize that needs to grow, how do you do it intentionally? How do you do it well? Especially when it's like a company that's very tight knit and the struggles of that and the nuances that go into that. And so she just like went there with us and it was so cool that she was so open about what it's like in her world right now, because I feel like some of our guests aren't necessarily in that headspace because, you know, an interview is sometimes scary and you're like, oh, I'm I'm on, I'm doing this. But it was just like chatting and being really open about what goes into all of this and what it's like at Manly or just in her mind and her world right now. It's just, I'm so stoked for you to hear it because she's just, she's just incredible. 
we're here to bring you all sorts of different perspectives. So we're just bringing a whole other side of the industry and experience level than we've had on the podcast in the past. And we're really excited for you to hear it. Yeah, I hope you dig it. And let us know what you think too. It's just a really cool perspective that she brings. And I'm proud to be able to showcase this person I've thought was so cool for so long. So personally, since we started this, I've been like, I want to get a Vanna Manley. I want to get a Vanna Manley. Um, And it finally all lined up. So starting off the new year, right? And there's some great wisdom in here. I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's all keep it in mind as we go into, like I was saying, boundaries. And there's just so many good nuggets that you're going to hear in a sec that we can all live by as we go into 2023 to be a little more intentional, a little more kind and tie it all back in a lot more curious and ready to tinker with whatever, whatever strikes your curiosity. So lean into that friends. You pulled out all the key words from this episode. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I really did. Can you tell we just recorded it? It's top of mind. But also that just made me really happy. It's huge. I mean, it's stuff that's been really top of mind for me right now anyway. I know. I love the word tinker. Tinker. Tinker, tinker, tinker. Right? It's such a fun word. (laughs) It is. Because it makes it feel like play, which is what it is. Like we make everything so serious. And so like curiosity and tinkering, it's it's play. It's creative play. Especially hearing from Ivana, who is a very much an inventor mind. So it's cool. She's also businessy, but it's really fun to hear from the craft people, you know, of this industry because yeah. it's such a craft. It's such a beautiful creative trade. And we get into a lot of the businessy side of it. And so it's really rad to be reminded in my mind, kind of like it's about the people. And this is what this interview is really about for sure. And living a life that is, that is great. Exactly. So let's just let them hop into it and we'll see you in the next episode. Yay. Adios, pal. Woo-hoo. Ta-ta for now. Welcome, everybody. Hi, Vanna. We're stoked you're here. I was going to start off and ask you where in the world you are right now. I'm in my home office in Altadena, California. Yes, I was at the weekly audio lunch in Burbank earlier. Oh, look at you go. There you go. Yes, that's where the elite of the elite hang out every Wednesday eating Mexican food. Oh, yes. (laughs) One day I might aspire to an invitation. It's not Taco Tuesday. It's Audio Lunch Bunch. Audio Lunch Bunch. That's adorable. I love that. It's the best. Pete Dell's put it together for years. It started out as a small gathering of the Universal Mastering Crew. Hmm. And then it grew into, I mean, sometimes there's 30 or 50 people a week there, or sometimes more for like, you know, when Al Schmidt used to come, Hmm. like for Al's birthday, there'd be 150 people there. You know what I mean? So it's it's wonderful. We've got this really great community here in LA. And um, so every week we can go hang out with recording engineers, mastering engineers, audio geek people like me, musicians, just all kinds of people. But that sense of community here in LA is just wonderful. It really is. That's rad. And so, and with that, I guess just getting right into that, one thing I wanted to ask you about, is it competitive among other manufacturers and stuff too, or it really is just that wonderful community love of the thing environment? Oh yeah. Today I brought my cohort, Josh Thomas, who owns Rupert Neve Designs. Yeah. He was out here picking up a Sprinter van. So he stayed with me a few days and his departure got delayed. So come on, it's a good excuse. You can come to audio lunch. So 
you know, fierce competitors. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my nephew, Chris Doray, works for me and for Josh. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, fierce competition yeah. here. <laughs> Trade secrets and all that. <laughs> Can you imagine we share resources? Yes. Yeah. Fierce competition, not. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's great. I mean, that is a wonderful part about our audio world is it's not like a competition like that or jealousy. People really help each other in this world. It's really great. And that's the thing about networking every week at the lunch or at trade shows is, you know, hey, does anyone know somebody who can blah, blah, blah. And somebody will have a resource or an answer or a person for you. Yeah. And it's offered freely. It's not guarded. That's really that's right. wonderful. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Because it, cool. we're all kind of geeky people, people anyway, you know? Yeah. It stems from music. You know, if you're in a band, you work together with your bandmates and that kind of extends into the whole industry in a way from the way I see it or the way I participate in it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's beautiful. I love that about the industry. Oh. It's good. I think we do too. Yeah. I mean, and it's great to hear because that's always been our experience, but it's lovely to hear that that is other people's too. Like it's not just in our own little head that it's this great, this great <laughs> spot, you know? It's our world. Everyone else is just living in it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is just helping us live in it. <laughs> exactly. So I guess just starting at the beginning, could you tell us your career story? I can't wait to hear it again. Thanks. Well, as I commonly tell the story, I was a big old band geek in high school, you know, and I developed a lot of leadership skills starting in those years, you know, uh, being first chair at something at saxophone or clarinet, being band president, being drum major for four years, that, that kind of thing. So I developed leadership skills in high school, went off to Columbia University to study music and bowling and things you do in New York City. We had a great time in college. So one day, that one day in class, a uh, very famous impresario, Bill Graham, the concert promoter, Fillmore East, Fillmore West, you know, that Bill Graham, San Francisco music scene, Bill Graham. His son was in my class, so he came to teach class that day and started explaining the music business to us. You got your artist and the engineer, and you've got your concert promoter, that's what I do, and <laughs> and uh, the A&R people and the record label, and he was telling us all this stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, that's Bill Graham. He's he's the <laughs> intro voice of my big brother in the holding company record. You know, like he's the man yes. who like really fostered all this music that I love so much from the late 60s. And so I decided that week, like the next semester, I'm, I'm going to take a semester off of school. I'm going to drive to California and I'm going to go find him and try to talk myself into some job and lives helped. That was my plan. So I did. I declared I was taking a semester off of school. I drove my red Volkswagen out to California, but I stopped in LA and I got a job with my old band director from high school doing some inventory tasks for him. He had a sheet music company. And then my stepfather, he had owned Ampeg in the late 60s. And so he gave me a couple of his ex-employee names that had worked for him 18, 20 years prior. And the first guy did not pick up the telephone because this is 1989. We don't have cell phones. We just have landlines and offices and so on. 
And uh, the second guy, who's Roger Cox, who worked at Fender, he was a VP at Fender. He picked up the phone and he didn't know me. I didn't grow up in that world in that time with my stepfather. And so he called back like a week later and said, hey, why don't you talk to David and Luke Manley out in Chino, California? And they have a small tube amplifier company. He said, there are two South Africans running a tube amplifier company in Chino. And I'm like, Chino, isn't in there a prison out there? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that sounds weird, but okay, I'll call them. Was that the reaction or was it like, no, oh, like, yeah, man, <laughs> like sign me. Chino. <laughs> well, anyway, so I drove on out there and you can smell Chino coming from miles away because there were 300,000 cows located in Chino. Now there's a lot of McMansions, but there were literally tons of cows out there. And I met David Manley and Luke Manley and I decided, you know, yeah, I'll take a job here. What are these things? What are those like? receivers or something oh those are vacuum tube monoblocks <laughs> is is that like a receiver <laughs> i didn't know anything about anything <laughs> at all you know what i mean so i started on the production line and just started learning how to solder and put things together and so on from the bottom rung you know that's how i started and i was oh. still 20 something and yeah I didn't know anything about anything and uh, just started from nothing. I did go back That's and get amazing. my degree nine months later. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, all my family and friends and stuff, they're like, you better finish your college degree. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. I will, I will, I will. <laughs> um, so I did. Oh, amazing. And it, so at what point during that were you like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, did you have a moment like that or did you just kind of blink? You're like, oh, I've been doing this for a while and I love it. And this is what I'm doing, which, which was true for you. Yeah. I was just so excited to be in California and I was excited by the whole new technology to me. And also I love building things with my hands. I had a good aptitude for organization and even developing business systems for this young company that did not have a purchase order system or an inventory system or work orders or anything like that. Like we're, we're just a very simple paper-based company in the late eighties. Right. And so I developed some paper systems from experience I had working in a picture framing shop when I was in high school, you know, like I remember the lady used to have a notebook and she used to keep track of what mats and frames and glass that she would order, you know, and I try to remember what that looked like. And I took a ruler and a Sharpie out and drafted, you know, made a piece of paper log. Like I remembered that there was at that company and copied it on the machine and punched three ring hole binder full of these sheets and gave it to Luke and said, here's your new purchase order system. Yeah, you know what it. I mean? <laughs> yeah. So You're that, welcome. If we're out of this resistor, like you can remember that you actually did order it last week and not order it twice or <laughs> actually order it or something. <laughs> that's incredible. They need that's yeah. so important. Yeah. And those paper systems later became Excel sheets that we tried to share and then later became FileMaker databases that are, you know, hosted in the cloud and we all log into them. And yeah, I didn't know anything about any of these things other than just trying to solve problems that I saw existed. 
we're still doing that today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and so what did that trajectory look like then once you were in and just solving all of these problems kind of scrappily to you today being kind of head manly? Well, David and I started dating and we fell in love. And so that was a oh. big factor. Oh. And then we got married. <laughs> so that'll do it. <laughs> a year later, so that was a, a very anchoring event. <laughs> I, I knew he didn't want to lose me as a factory worker, but that was one way to keep me, you know, um, <laughs> anchored in. There you go. <laughs> that was one factor. And also at the time, like his enthusiasm for vacuum tube technology, he was on a high at that point, you know, so his enthusiasm was definitely infectious at that time. You know what I mean? Um, later, he was an alcoholic and he started drinking again after we got married. And it, within a couple of years, it was a pretty frightening experience. Mm. And he was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So that explained a lot of that. Oof. And oh, so yeah, self-medicating that too. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I was in my early twenties, you know, I was really young. I didn't oh, know anything about yeah. alcoholism or mental health or anything like that, you know, yeah, it, a lot of that kind of stuff was still stigmatized a lot as well, right? Yeah. And it just wasn't as open where people just go see a shrink and get help or whatever these days, you know? I mean, yeah, and it's still not, especially bipolar and all that. That's just, that's never really gotten easier, I don't think, to even wrap anybody's head around. It's still really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very crazy thing. So those were some of the influences that really inspired me to really dig into electronics in that young company and, and all that. And we just started building pro audio equipment. Before that, we were just building vacuum tube power amps and preamplifiers for audiophile systems. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it was very exciting, you know, to go into Hollywood to some of these really wonderful recording studios and mastering studios and you know, to see where and how these favorite records were being produced and created and start meeting some of these players. And that was very exciting. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm in the music business. That's what I set out to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, that moment where you're like, I'm oh, in I'm it. In it. I, and that's what it, when I when yeah. I give these talks and, and so on, it's like, hey, I know all y'all want to be, you know, recording engineers or producers or something, but there are other... Uh, little pockets in the industry that you can exist in and thrive in and really fill some good shoes. And, and all of us, like even in the gear world, like we need lots of stuff done. There are a lot of tasks, tasks to execute marketing activities or sales there, you know, there are my lawyer, like really specializes in the recording gear people space, you know, like she deals with a lot of uh, my peer companies, for instance, so there, there's a lot of places that one can find a, a wonderful, wonderful career in audio. Could you, this is just a fun little question, but to the girl who sat in that classroom with Bill Graham, like, do you, do you think like oh. you would have ever pictured where you are now as he was like running through, well, there's AR and there's all this other stuff in the music industry. Yeah. And that vein, that's. That's such a trip yeah, to well, think he, about. Yeah, well, he didn't mention the audio equipment manufacturers. 
<laughs> that day. You could make microphones. He didn't mention that, but and and I was very sad, you know, when he died in the helicopter crash. I never got to go up to San Francisco and find him and thank him for coming that day and really turning my life on a pivot that day, you know. Yeah, it's, my dad actually is. He's the same one of the same reasons that like my dad moved out here to try to work for Bill Graham one day. And he says the same thing. Like he died in that helicopter crash before I ever got a chance to work for him. And like, sucks. Like, I wonder how many people are out wow. there that he has. And my dad never had him in a classroom. It was just the idea of Bill Graham and his influence and all this stuff. Like, that's what amazing. A power, like, I don't know if anybody that's listening, isn't familiar with Bill Graham, go down the rabbit hole. Cause he is the father of so much of what we yeah. have from modern rock and the concert everything about he's just genius the guy yes and so. we're not talking about the preacher <laughs> not not billy graham we were talking about bill graham uh wolfgang and his story was fascinating you know he outran the nazis and escaped he was uh, one of the few people in his family oh, that escaped know. from nazi occupation and got out through france i believe and then got into america as a young boy wow and, and uh, was adopted by a family in New York and, and grew up there. Fascinating story. There, there's a wonderful biography available to read a book. His story is really remarkable. And, and um, he really created so much for himself and for the music community and for all of us. We're here. We're here. Steph, yeah. you and me yeah, are here yeah, yeah. right now because of Bill Graham. It's amazing. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and that, and that made me think too earlier, like what, in that, um, say, the relationship between manufacturing and the people that are creating, which, I mean, in manufacturing, inventing, creating the things themselves, it is a creative act. And how would you tell someone, say, like, when you're doing this, like, how do you tell that person that's like, I'm going to be a creative, I'm going to be a producer, engineer, like, what is that relationship like in your mind? And how how do you kind of see that creativity interweaving in the creation of this tool that is I think coming from initially being a musician, not a great musician, but I was a nerdy musician. <laughs> like I really got into music theory. That's primarily what I was studying in, in college and in high school. And music theory and the organization of music is very mathematically based and there are rules to follow. And you have to practice and you have to learn and you have to memorize and you have to perform. So translating that into electronics, you know, electronics uh, based on electrical science and physics and math and data sheets and rules and so on. There is a lot of commonality there. And the creative thing also, it, it's like, it also pulls in from a lot of uh, visual art instruction that I had as a young kid and mm. enthusiasm for drawing and creation. Um, even from when I was a little kid, I used to build tree houses all the time and, and, and just build things with my hands a lot. So um, I think manufacturing for me and design, you know, designing a chassis or designing a faceplate or, uh, you know, drawing a sketch for a new product idea I have that, it, it all comes together from my artistic talents as a young kid and musical talents or lack thereof. No, I mean, <laughs> interest. <laughs> no, I was okay. I was a, a, a small fish in a small pond. Um, 
funny little. I've never heard no, that's that all good. before. Um, you know, it, oh. uh, manufacturing in, in electronics for me was a, a wonderful combination of talents for me. And then what I always wrap up this part of the talk would be, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> all of us musician type creative people, we all get to hang out together. You know, maybe you're singing in the microphone after I made the microphone, but then we're all at audio lunch together, hanging out or mm. all at the NAMM show or, or, or being friends in general. You know what I mean? We're all very like-minded people. I think we're all yeah. kind of nerdy. Um, capable bright people and there are there are pockets in the industry we can all exist and work in and then and be together as a community we all contribute something it's not a silo yeah Yeah, it's a holistic little web and that's what makes it great yeah that's that's something i feel like has been hard at times to kind of keep your mind wrapped around especially throughout the pandemic and like as someone who works remote alone in my office you know like i i can imagine it's really different when you're go into a factory and you've got people buzzing around you and like you physically have that web that you're, you're seeing. And like, Natalie, you get to go into an office. Like that's, that's something that I feel like and along the way that we can't lose sight of how important that tactile creation is, right? Like we're in such a digital world and that is a really special part of the music industry itself. Like with mic builders, with luthiers, with everything, it is still a very craftsmanship kind of thing. That's really powerful and how to not, let that lose its value when so many things are losing their value like that these days. It's hard. But and that togetherness, but well my job's kind of changed over the years mind. too. You know, so for the first say 10 years of my career, I was very much hands-on. I was still, you know, testing equipment and uh doing design prototyping and uh I was in the factory all day uh seeing things that needed improving and developing fixes for whatever I was, you know, whatever was poking me in the eye. Um, the, the second 10 years, I'd say I was running the factory more, you know, as the COO, the chief ops of the factory. So I was also at the factory every day, but dealing more, this is after David Vanley left and I was, you know, now I own this factory and I've got to run the business and do all the marketing and do all the sales and, you know, still run the factory and keep all the people working and, and, you know, direct every, everything going on. Um, and then the third, the, the last 10 years, I'd say I've been working more just on the computer doing just more and more admin based stuff. Um, and mostly from afar, mostly from, because when I'm at the factory, I can't get anything done. Everyone's, you know, coming in my office like, Hey, I need an answer to this, or how do we deal with this? Or this switch is broken or whatever, whatever it is, you know? So I've given up that job. I gave up my office at the factory. So Gamma runs, he's doing that, that problem solving job every, on a daily basis as being chief ops now. And I've moved more into a more admin kind of role in the company, which is definitely more boring. Wow. <laughs> yeah. As you say, what's the part that you yeah. love the most I mean, throughout this? I still, back. I still love, um, <laughs> okay. So Friday I'm going to fly to Chicago. I'm going to buy another engraving machine because I still like like doing the artwork and, 
doing that stuff. I'm going to have that locally and kind of play with that machine a little more hands-on. I, I, yeah. I really do like making things, but I've, I've got to um, really start hiring uh, some more admin assistant people to take some of those jobs off of me so I can get back into a creative, actually creating and building um, type thing again. I've hired in the last couple of years, we've gotten like, we've replaced customer service guy who was retiring. I was doing customer service for quite a, quite a while before we found our new guy who's based in Atlanta. And he's really, he's taken that job really well. And it's really helping everybody. I've, you know, given him all the resources to be able to find the answers that he needs to answer, you know, everyone's request for help every day. Um, so that's good. So that's an example of a job I was, I had my hand in a lot that I've been able to. Yeah. And successfully yeah, were able uh, to organize it and delegate it out. So we've got good systems in place and he's, he's doing a wonderful job. So that's good. And, and he court, you know, I think Yay. the pandemic's also been kind of good in some ways for us. Cause we've also, you know, embraced all this um, Google meets and zoom video conference meetings. We've got Totally. We use our calendars more than we used to. We we have organized, mm. you know, video engineering meetings with the whole engineering team once a week. We have the service team meetings. We have um, the executive meetings. We've got the sales meetings, the marketing meetings. So that's all good because we're actually coordinating better as teams than we used to, you know, where we, I, because I, I work fine by myself and I, I've got more stuff to do than I can do in a day. Not everyone works that way. <laughs> I always say, right. don't you know what you're supposed to be working on? Um, <laughs> so, no, 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 it's okay. it, not everyone works the way I do. So it's great to have these meetings to stay focused and organized. And um, we've also embraced some online um organizational structural things like monday.com which is like these boards that we can you know like keep the projects in front of our faces and um communicate in a centralized location for that and then like customer service we moved to zendesk that creates tickets and it, it again it helps it's way better than just you know ongoing emails just hitting the inbox all the time or people don't hit reply all and then somebody drops off so these centralized methods, um, we've really embraced a lot of these in the last two years, for sure. It's amazing to see also just how people have adapted to going virtual and how that can help. Yeah, and, and that's sometimes useful. Sometimes it hindered organizations and sometimes it helps organizations. And it looks like that was a real kind of like wake up call for all of you to work better together. It's really helped We're just figuring out which tools exactly. work where they are and like take and leave yeah. what doesn't. That's like the most healthy way to look at all of that. And that's really rad yeah. you guys were able to do yeah, that. Yeah, we've still got more more of that kind of structural work to do as well. I mean, we're probably 80% through where we need to be on that, but we're getting there. It's a big improvement. Oh, wow. I like this topic that we're on because we're talking about all the hats that you've worn throughout your time, but what's one leadership skill that up and coming women in the industry should start practicing now? And what's one that you're still learning? 
There's a lot of answers to that question. I, I'm going to go with just kind of what's in my face right now. Not necessarily in my face, just I saw something happen recently. I've dealt with toxic people before, like a toxic employee, or you know, you can have toxic partners, you can have toxic friends. And these are people that are defensive or argumentative or cannot apologize or will complain about a lot of things without offering solutions. That's especially annoying to me. It's like, you know, I'm overloaded. I don't need any more assistance to see all the problems. I see them all. I just don't have the available hours in the day to deal with all of them. I need help to deal with all of them. And Mm -hmm. I think the big answer to your question would be like, for us, we need to make sure that we are defining our, our boundaries better. And I think as women, we're, we tend to be more nurturing and we try to mother people along. We try to help people along. And sometimes we should have cut off people like this. Sometimes it's like, no, man, you're, you're not helping. You're really creating a lot of stress, internal stress in me and angst. And I need assistance more than more criticism, you know? Yeah. That's, that's somewhere where like I would give an employee who's really not working well on the team. I'd give them a, another chance or like, okay, here's another resource. Can you get this done now? And another two weeks or a month goes by and it's still not done. And it's everybody else's problem and fault except for that person. And then when I finally get rid of them, it's like, oh, a big sigh of relief. Like, because the rest of us get along fine and we're trying to help each other. And that guy is just making all of the things he should be handling our problem. You know, it's, yeah, I'd say that we need to define our boundaries and just not take the BS as long as we do sometimes. Yeah. And being, it sounds like with that too, it's that, the 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 salvation weird way of putting it but of a relationship is not worth when it is time to be decisive from a business standpoint sometimes or like being able to weigh those things equally is important and like building that muscle of not always needing to take care of someone else's feelings um when you're the boss and have to define that oh my god a thousand percent and that's so hard but that's such a, it's a worth reminding every day. I didn't like, grow up learning that, you know, I mean, like, uh, my parents got divorced when I was in first grade and then they, my, my mother got divorced a second time when I was coming out of high school and they were both just filled with anger and yelling and fighting. And to me, you know, growing up and then, you know, when I got divorced, The first time, you know, divorce equals failure. That's how I thought about it in my head. And I was trying to hang on to that for way too long, you know, with a crazy person, (laughs) trying to fix everything. And because I had this mantra in my head about divorce equals failure, and it's not true. Mm -hmm. And then again, time number two, you know, and there's a relationship between personal relationships that one might find themselves in and your relationship with your coworkers and your business and all that. And let alone with you where it was a family business. And so many people though, in the music industry, right? There are so many family businesses and families have so many dynamics. And when you merge that with work, that is incredibly difficult. Like that's 
<laughs> hey, <laughs> like there's so many little nuances to yeah everything that colors everything. About yeah, it. my future. I'm just I'm trying to maintain boundaries better. That's one goal I have, and also don't micromanage and keep allowing people to help. But it, mm. I tell you, having gotten burned so many times by other people, it it's hard for me to trust other people as well. And that's something I need to. I need mm-hmm. to continue to work on that. Mm. Oh, I feel that. I feel that so deeply. <laughs> yeah, knowing how to, tr- like feeling when it's safe. But yeah, but not being too open. And and something I heard in that too is that thought that, right, you can, you can be open, allow people to learn stuff, but everybody listening to you know that come with solutions. Take that and be like, hey, so when there's something we should also be knowing, let's take initiative, have solutions ready if we're pointing out that something is not working um, initiative yeah. is key to, I don't know, easing these transitions along too, because that, that makes it just, it makes it cut and dry when it's just about the thing and not about help me. Yeah. Cause then that, all that weird stuff gets in at that point. Also knowing just how other people on your teams work, cause everyone works very differently. My, my team did this I don't, I don't want to say it's like a personality test, but it was some test to see like what kind of worker you are. And everyone on my team was different. We all had a different little personality that came up, but like reading the descriptions were like, oh, well that checks out. Oh, that checks out. And it just helps people know how to communicate better or work better together if you just have that kind of cohesive understanding of everyone's strengths. I think there's a problem when people are not respectful to their coworkers. That's, that's a, Mm. that's a big Mm -hmm. one. And I think that's the sure sign of a toxic person when they're putting down their coworkers uh, beyond just complaining, but, you know, outright calling them stupid or that kind of thing. It's like the next time I ever see that go on again, that person's out, you know, you've got to be respectful to your coworkers. I'm, I'm always respectful to my coworkers. Mm -hmm. You have to be not just to avoid lawsuits, (laughs) but to, (laughs) to have a good team around you, you have to always um, come with respect. And be successful. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. You started in this company this kind of, this will circle back to respect for your coworkers and also just like work environments, what type of worker you are. There's, there's the smaller companies that are very much like, I feel like at this point you've kind of built Manly Labs in your image in terms of how you think and how you work and how these systems work well. And it's the duality of that where you function well. And I personally feel like I'm, I'm learning that might be where I function best as well, where I have a little more freedom to build my work environment to the way my brain works paired with though, there's also then these like very, very large manufacturers where people are super stoked and great being a cog in a very large wheel that that's just, they're perfect. They love that huge environment. And with that thought, like, yeah, that does that feel true to you that because you've kind of built the systems and the functionalities of Manly in such a way that like, do you feel like that is just why also it works well for you? Because it's, do you think there's things in there that you do that you, that wouldn't translate in a huge company versus all that, you know, like, are there little nuances that feel like Ivana 
I think about this all the time because we're not a tiny company anymore. We haven't been for a really long time. We're this like middle-sized mm-hmm. company, but we also aspire to more organization and more documentation and more structure. But the maintenance of all that data, it gets cumbersome. Like I, I take my engineering team, it it just it in the old days when it was just like one designer who figured out some circuits and hand built some prototypes and laid out some boards and bolted some stuff together. And then all of a sudden we're building 50 of those things like within a month or two, right? The development mm-hmm. cycle on the Vox box was like three or four months. The development wow. cycle on the Manly core was like nine months. Wow. But then like, we haven't had a brand new product for a couple of years now. Cause we're just so bogged down with documentation rework of this you know, we've done some internal upgrades that aren't that sexy, but they're important. Or sometimes it's just like, oh, this switch is obsolete. We need to now redesign 20 faceplates to accommodate that switch. You know, yeah. So it it's a real struggle. Um, and we, we just, we don't have the resources to just hire twice as many engineers who are the most expensive people in the mm-hmm. company, right? I don't know what the answer is right now. I just, I'm, I'm living in a state of frustration right now that we don't come out with new products as often as I'd like to see. And I've got pages of ideas and roadmaps for products and so on. And we just, we can't get them out. And another thing also, I get kind of distracted easily. I've been officially diagnosed Um, (laughs) uh, where it's like squirrel. (laughs) It's like, well, no, let's not do that compressor. Let's do that EQ, you know? And, and everyone's like, whoa, but you said last week we're doing that. So that, that gets frustrating. And I need to recognize when I'm not a good fit for that part of the job, like I should not be directing the engineering team. And so we're going to try to put another guy in place of that to really help keep us disciplined and structured and all that kind of thing. So that's all like middle management stuff that, I mean, my company's always been very bottom heavy. Mm. Like a lot of people, you know, actually getting all the work done, not just structuring all the work, right? Mm -hmm. But when you get to a certain size, then you've got to evolve Mm. in some way. But it gets frustrating when everything kind of slows down in pace. That's what's frustrating to me. Yeah. And it's survival at that point too. You have to keep up a certain pace to keep, you know, orders being filled, money coming in. But how does that, but what, what was that threshold of growth? Like what, how many employees do you have right now? And when did you start noticing when you needed to? It's happened in spurts over the years. Like, you know, the increase uh, due to the COVID bump that we definitely experienced, we went up to, I think, 48 people at the time, including some temporary workers. Mm and um. But again, there weren't that many Mm. more managers involved. This is just more workers. And 2006 was also a really big year for the company. This past year, 2022, um, things have started to slow down a little bit more. Orders have rolled off, but we're not as small as we were in 2019. We're like twice the size of that still. So it was a big ass jump in the last couple of years. Working with like one arm tied behind your back and your foot in a shackle 
you know, because of yeah. <laughs> the freaking pandemic and, and how we had to work and uh, forcefully work apart at times and so on. So. Yeah. You had people bringing stuff home to build at yeah. home, right? Yeah. For a little bit. Because wow. the, the state, you know, said you can't work together in the same space. So wow. we had teams of people and uh, we had the inventory kidding family in the factory kidding parts. And then, you know, that day that worker would come and take some parts home and take it home and assemble them at home wow. on a table on the dining room table or whatever, or in the garage. Maybe they had their family helping. I don't know, but everything tested through fine, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> if any labor laws were were violated, hey, it was unknowing on anybody's well, part. So. <laughs> well, and and then demand like doubled overnight because all of a sudden exactly. everybody's home doing podcasts or trying to record from afar and send their tracks into the main project or whatever. So we were selling a ton of gear, and and we still are, you know, even though it's not as high as twenty twenty one. 2022 still been a really good year, but profitability's down. And so like I'm juggling all these darn factors, uh, running, running the business. Um, and it, yeah, it's not as creative as what I was doing 30 years ago. Definitely not, you know, <laughs> man. Well, I think this might be a good segue, but for for people who are interested in wanting to tinker and <laughs> build and just like futz around in the pro audio world or just in any aspect of music. A gateway into building. Yeah, that's fun. What advice do you have? How do you start? How do you start? Oh man, today what I do when I want to geek out on something and learn a lot about something quickly and even practice is I get on YouTube University. For instance, two years ago, I was like, I don't know anything about these damn Arduino things, you know? So I found uh, a guy that ran these courses on YouTube for free and you buy the little kit and follow along. And he was, uh, that guy is uh, McWhorter is his last name. Yeah, that guy was awesome. I mean, because he didn't just say copy paste his code in. He, he was teaching like why what is the math behind this code? Remember your algebra? Oh yeah. Here, we're going to use it. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, I bought the little kit and I followed along and built the little projects on the breadboard and learned a lot about some other electronics things that I didn't know about. It's great. I would start, I would start there. Yay. There's all kinds of really wonderful instructional videos on, on YouTube for electronics. I, I learned stuff all the time. I pretty much watch a couple yeah. little YouTube videos like every night, like when I'm taking a bath, I'll just put something on, you know. Yeah. What do I want to learn to do today? Another guy, I think he's from Germany, this guy named Great Scott. He's very interesting. He really articulates these fine points and these electronics things all the time. It's really great. I've learned a lot from that guy too. Is that how you've learned the building too? Like for the motorcycle stuff, Bonneville and all that? Like, or did you go to like a program to learn? That, uh, that I was, building. I was assisting on a crew and, um, okay. So you learned yeah, kind of by doing yeah. in that. Well, I vein. mean, I've, I've been mechanical all my life and, but as far as yeah. like that level of the build out and everything, just again, just absorbing it and, uh, hopefully not breathing all the nitro, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> just just being new on the crew and you know watch before you touch and um and it was really it was great it was really a wonderful learning experience to get to experience a whole, a whole different thing i hadn't experienced before that's amazing that sounds like back to something that people should be practicing it's just curiosity like being open to learning your entire life and like following what yeah. fires you up and even like especially if it's tinkering with something and it's with your hands because yeah. just on screens too often we can learn on screens but yeah follow that follow that stokage for lack of anybody word wherever it takes you because that's life right there that's cool curiosity Steph that is the best that's that the is best. the best word the curiosity that's oh. really and we have so many resources today with the internet that I did not have in the 1980s when I was a teenager and, and starting mm-hmm. my 20s, you know. And everyone still has all those old paper books that they can read too. But for me, I, I, I do find it easier to learn uh, with video instruction or, or say a classroom instruction. Sometimes I I don't know if it's my ADD or whatever, but sometimes I'll read over things in a book and I'm reading over that paragraph like four times and I'm still not quite understanding yeah, it. Just, I feel that pain. I mean, and that's all just back to how do you learn and how do we get business environments yeah. to be conducive to how everybody learns? And it's all just being respectful to the people around you because you don't know the way they're taking in information. And if they're like, I'm sorry, I just, I don't, I don't know. So it's, there's so much nuance to all of that. Just be kind, be kind and be curious. But yeah, that's rad. And I mean, and wrapping it up, you outside of all of this, what do you do to get your brain turned off from work? Because it's so stressful. Like what's the curious, fun thing that you're in right now that makes you feel like you're not in that anymore in that headspace? I, I bought a Ford Transit van, a camper van. And that's another rabbit hole one could go down is all the van life build outs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my best friend just did it last year and it's a whole, whole thing van life build out and camping and also the wanderlust and wanting to, to travel and, and so on, which is something that was kind of hard to do in the last couple of years. I've one thing about my career, because we sell gear all over the world, I've gotten to travel everywhere around the world. It's been wonderful. Um, it's like any excuse, like, yeah, I sell gear in Vietnam, don't I? Cause I've heard like motorbiking in Vietnam. That's a thing. Oh, oh, there's, there's a trade show there. Oh, I'll go to that little (laughs) hi-fi show and then go ride motorbikes in Vietnam. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's a good excuse to uh, get to travel around the world and make friends all around the world as well is uh, getting to the gear world. (laughs) What was one of your favorite tiny towns you've discovered across the country the last few years, right? With the van, like what's one of the random places you've discovered that was like, I love this. Oh, with the van? I'm road tripping next week back uh, with my buddy James. We're driving from Nashville back to LA in his van. So tiny towns. Oh, yeah, I stayed in the the country's oldest motor lodge, you know, somewhere in Virginia. And there was a well that was in the bar area that was, you know, like a hole in the ground, a well that was dug in the 1700s, you know. Oh, my gosh. It was kind of neat. I camped out there. (laughs) for instance but i don't know i really enjoyed uh, you know just staying in a little rv park in the middle of oklahoma and it was just the grasses were very pretty the weather was nice there were friendly people nearby and and i was in my little van yay (laughs) your little happy place 
Happy yeah. Van. I love um, geeking out about which voltage converter should I get to do the uh, POE injection to the Starlink system, yeah. you know, <laughs> just where am I going to mount this? And, uh, oh yeah, I got to fuse it and so on, you know, like little just hammering. thinking about, all, yeah, 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 which is great. So I'll, I'll, I'll go spend a few hours every other day or so geeking out on what am I going to do next on the build? And then I've got, you know, then it's click, click, click Amazon and stuff gets delivered to my house. And then I stack it all up. You know, I got stacks of stuff on my dining room table and stacks of stuff in the, in the, living room and then it's like oh i got people coming over i, I gotta install the stuff and get it all out of the house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually install it in the van it can't just sit around here forever while i type yeah execute rather than plan to execute <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go down the fun research rabbit hole i'm so bad at that yeah so bad. yeah it's good and then once i get in the mode you know where i turn off the computer and then just go out in the garage with my van and and get the tools out and drill the holes and bolt things together and wire things up. Then it's like, okay, this is fun again. Why do I have to type all that? Right. That's <laughs> nice that that's soothing for you though. I was trying to clean. I'm, I'm rebuilding a moped. I say that loosely. It's been like a year that it's been sitting unfinished because I was cleaning the carb and just getting that little spring back in. I feel like everybody's ADD is different. And mine, I just was like, <laughs> I, uh, it, it, I, I couldn't do it. And it kept like ricocheting across the room. And then I had to go and, and I was just like silently like crying as I was picking all these things up. I was so frustrated. And Tracy's behind me, like functionally just, you know, puttering and doing all these things to his. And it's like, great. And I'm just like, I couldn't do it. So like the execution part for me is so hard. And But I feel like if I just made myself get into the rhythm, maybe it would be easier for me. I don't know. You can also ask for help. All of my mods have been done by him. <laughs> I know it's hard to ask for help sometimes, but we can all ask for no, help. No, our limitations. That's that's a skill. That's the boundary skill. Yeah. Again. Key takeaways. Delegating jobs, all that. Even the soothing, fun hobbies are all that stuff. <laughs> Look at us doing all that. Okay. Okay. We're coming up on time. I have one final question I really wanted to ask you. You've done so many of these what is something you wish people would have asked you or wish people would ask you, whether it's specific to being a woman in music or just literally in general about career, life, anything? What have you never been asked? And you're like, God, that'd be cool. You've asked me, how did you get into the business? The question is, how do you get out of the business? <laughs> yep. Yep. What? Are you saying you want to leave? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why would you ever want to leave? <laughs> I want to travel in my transit van <laughs> with my puppies, you know, yeah. um, I did buy a Starlink, uh, uh, satellite internet system. So actually I, next year I plan to take some road trips and bring my dogs yeah. and, uh, you know, stop and do my typing and, and so on. So <laughs> a life that's like right in front of you seems so good all the time. Right. I feel like we grow up and, and, you know, idolizing someone like Bill Graham, it's so you want something really big and to make a big impact, be in the music industry, things are happening. And I feel like the more you wrap your head around what life and existence is, it's more just like, I want to be traveling in a van with my dogs and looking at beautiful sunsets and grasslands and just like existing in a state that I'm happy about. And it's smaller once you get there. Well stated. And, you know, emotionally, again, going back to the nurturing 
the nurturing of us chicks here, us women, like we do take care of people all the freaking time. And, you know, it, it gets draining. And I think of myself right now, most people my age, their kids are going off to college and they're getting to start that next phase of their life. And for me, my kids, meaning my employees, they're not going anywhere. They won't leave <laughs> you the house. You don't get to empty nest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to empty nest. <laughs> so that's why I'm going to leave the house. No, um, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not getting that transition period right now that people my age are going through. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting when you're, you know, helping people all day long. And it's your family. Yeah. Cause that, that's what I do. My, I'm not just talking about my employees, my, my customers too. Like mm-hmm. everyone's, asking of something of me. And that's what I do. I help people all day long. And, you know, yeah, it does get exhausting after a while to tell you the the truth. So yeah, I, in this next year, I'm going to look for some other people to hire to really take some of these other tasks off my plate. So I can, I need some time for myself. I've devoted so much time. It's not unusual for me to work 108 hours a week. <sighs> Yeah. You deserve it. You know, it's crazy. Working on that, currently learning that boundary and getting back to visionary, Ivana, like making the designs and like, you know, following that. That's such a brilliant, wonderful thing to, oh, this, this, this. And you need to do that and then hire other people to do the stuff that sucks (laughs) or that needs to happen. But some people are great at it. Where are those people? Where are the people that want to do the, you know, CEO jobs or CFO jobs or so, or database people. I need some database help right now. I need some bookkeeping help. Yeah. Some of these admin tasks are, I need some of this right now. Some people are perfect for that and they're meant to do it and we need everybody. Well, think of this as a beautiful moment because by the time this episode airs, it's the beginning of the year. So this is a manifestation for what's to come for you. Happy 2023, more visionary creation, good vibes for everybody. Yay. Well, Ivana, thank you so much. We loved having the time to speak with you and pick your brain. And thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really, this has been a real joy today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Revoice in the Future. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major streaming platforms or visit our website. Be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Women of NAM. This episode was co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie Lamond, and Julia Olson. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry one interval at a time. See you next time.